Oh my God, you guys are breaking the rules. I've got my donkeys in the studio. Steve's not here. Tits on Christ! <laughs> Hang that donkeys before Steve Tipton finds out and catches on! <laughs> Hi, Sharon. What's up, Patricia? Thanks for guest hosting this week in place of Ellen Marie Marsh. Yeah, no problem. That loudmouth has really gotten a bit too big for her goddamn britches. I took my Dodge Dart into the uh-huh. city. Yeah. I had to bother because yeah. my aunt's fucking broken. We should someday do a full episode with Sharon. I gotta tell you, your eyes change when do you're they Sharon. Really? Your eyes change. What it's do I do? I don't know. You narrow in on me like, what's this chubby gay gonna say? What's she gonna say? You guys, if you want more of the shenanigans, join us on the Patreon. I want you to get them excited about the Patreon. Tell them how good it is and what's there. Well, okay, can I just ask a really quick question? Sure. How, like, what are you classifying as excitement? Is it decibels? No, it's like genuine excitement to share the content we've created there. Okay. Hey guys, <laughs> it's your friend Ellen. We have bonus content for you. We have no, show- no, no, that's not it. I'm telling you, our Patreon episodes are so good. We've got like 35 or 40 episodes there. Right now, we're covering Who the Bleep Did You Marry? That show. You guys, it's like a 30 minute comedy show about these horrible, horrible things but that the happen great, to people. This is what I love about it. Yeah, everyone stays alive. I guess that's so far true. Yeah. It's a lot of trauma, though, and a lot of very weird underscoring to make it sound like a comedy show. Which is very much like my life. I, I think that's why I love it so much. What are the other shows we've covered? See No Evil. Yeah. Evil Lives Here. Yeah. Snapped. There was another one I feel like we did. Was it, the one with the ladies, the mean ladies. Was that Snapped? Yes, that okay. was Snapped. <laughs> Remember the lady who had just as many dildos as she had yeah. guns in her office? Yeah. I need to investigate that first. Further. That seemed like an excessive amount of guns and dildos. Patreon.com slash themselves to disappeared. Get into it. You're going to love it. All right, let's get to this episode. Let's go. All right, you guys, Disappeared Season 6. We're more than halfway done. Yes, Season <gasps> 6, Episode 1, it's called Lost in the Dark, tells the story of the disappearance of Mytrice Richardson. A talented young woman hungers for knowledge. She fell in love with understanding how the mind works. One night, she winds up on a collision course with destiny. They let her go in the middle of the night with no car, no ride, no money, Soon, a missing persons case turns into a heated battle for answers. If my Trees Richardson name was Spears or Lohan, they would never let her walk out by herself. The truth is that everything was done the way it should have been done. Because of bad judgment, she's not here. She's gone. Can I just say, coming out of this trailer, my first note is, oh my God, we still have Christopher. I know he goes away at some point, but he's still here. I have to say something. Yeah. I miss Christopher. I miss Christopher, too. Hang you guys. Christopher? Girl, how have you been? Good. I'm busy. Oh, and I've been working on a podcast of my own. It's called Obsessed with Obsessed with Disappeared. Oh my God, can we be on it? Mm, no. Oh. Bye, Christopher. Okay, well, good luck with that. Bye, Christopher. <laughs> Bye. It's a typical California day in September in southern Los Angeles. 24-year-old Mytrice Richardson is driving on an LA freeway, heading home to Watts. She was living with her great-grandmother in Los Angeles, which was great because my grandmother at the time was living by herself, and we were always concerned with her being there by herself. 
So we learned that 24-year-old Mytrice Richardson is driving home. It's a beautiful California morning. No, 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 no. That's not what Christopher says. Oh. Christopher says it's a typical California day. To which I said, the fuck is typical (laughs) in California? Like, is the weather weird there? Do you want to go in on the weather, girl? No, I'm just saying. We're your weather girls. It's raining, man. Hallelujah. It's raining, man. Do you want me to go to your key or do you want to go to my key? Could you go anywhere but here? (laughs) Anywhere but here. I'm just trying to sing on some broken chords. Oh, yeah. Oh, save the gift. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I'm just saying, what is a typical. Girls, you got to put Daisy through college. You got to stay strong in there. Seriously. Stay strong in there. Daisy girl, why are you homeless? My dad, My dad lost his voice. <laughs> That's Sam's. Anyway, I was going to talk about California stereotypes because what's a typical day in California? Who cares? Keep talking. Oh, my jokes were so funnier. On Wednesdays, Mytrice routinely has dinner with her great-grandmother, Mildred. But today, Mytrice has other plans. According to Mildred, they just sort of caught up. Mytrice said, I'm taking off now. And she left the house. Love you, Grandma. Love you, too. The ocean is beckoning my trees, and she feels compelled to head toward Malibu, 40 miles away on the Pacific Coast Highway. So normally she goes to spend the evening with her great grandmother. Today she's got other plants, girl. She's heading to Malibu. Forty miles away, we meet Mama Latisse, and Mama Latisse says, "Mama Latisse is fucking badass." Oh, just wait. I know. <laughs> Mama Latisse said she was so happy that Mytrice lived with her grandmother because I call her Gigi Mildred. Her name is Mildred. Yeah, a great so, grandmother, Mildred. Right? Yeah. I'm following. I'm so, following. So Gigi Mildred, she's like 91. So it was like really nice that Mytrice lived with her. I love that. It was Mildred and then Lytrice and Mytrice. Yeah. Like, I love that, like, Mama Lytrice was like, I'm not going to give her my exact name, but yeah. it's going to sound a lot like it's it. It's going to sound a lot, like, sound it. A lot yeah. like it. So we learned that four months earlier, she graduated with honors from Cal State Fullerton. She's a real smarty pants. She is. She's Everyone's t- here to tell us about it. And Mama Latisse is telling us how proud she was that she graduated. We meet Auntie Lauren, who says, what a great and good-hearted and smart woman she was. And she was going to grad school for child psychology. Yeah, she was like one of those like really smart, intellectual, and beautiful kids. We learned she was a beauty queen. That was I like the, know. we see this like video of her as a kid like doing a dance. I know at like a talent show <laughs> yeah. or something. And I just want to note in the talent show, it is marked as 1990. Uh-huh. And in the video in the talent show, she is doing the dance The Running Man. Okay. <laughs> now listen, if these Gen Zers are uh-huh. gonna kill me for one thing, they're gonna kill me that they do not appreciate yeah. the class. Classic dances of the 90s like The Running Man, The Roger Rabbit, and The Kid in Play. Do you know who does The Running Man better than anyone I've ever seen? Stephen Lee Tipton. Okay. I he would, doesn't mean Running I Man. honestly want to see that because a lot of people <laughs> land on one foot when they should land on two. It's that weird thrusting out of the chest and pulling in of the chest at the same time. Okay, you're I talking can't... about The Roger Rabbit. Oh. That is The Roger Rabbit. The thrusting is The Roger Rabbit. Get a life. Okay. I pulled up to the house about seven or eight. And I, I yelled to the cabin, your home's my I looked at my kingdom, I was finally there. To sit on my throne as a prince of Bel-Air. You guys, Bow. 90s TV was wild. I Blossom, mean, did you watch Blossom? I, what do you think I am, a sociopath? I of course I watched Blossom. I love Blossom. Are you listening, Gen Z? Give oh, it a God. go. As a child, I would tell her, whatever you want to do, you can do it, but I expect for you to give 100%. You have to give your all. So whatever she did, she did it full-hearted. 
Maitrese always had an intense love for dance. As a competitive cheerleader in high school. And she could literally just jump into the air back to back about five or six times and just hit that split in the air. Maitrese was also this incredible dancer. She does a standing split. I know. She's standing up and then puts that other leg right up to her ear, her mother says. The thing about her was, now listen, I know Simon Cowell looks like he smells like the back of a fridge. The hair on that guy. I, I know, just can't. he's so gross. But he always talks about like the it factor. Yeah. You know how he always says that? Yes. And like that's something you can't teach. Uh-huh. It's like, you know, if you're seeing a Broadway show, who does your eye go to? Yeah. It goes to the person who has that like sparkle. Yeah. And that's what Maitrese has. It's like if you were to do the opposite of the it factor, which would be yeah. like you. Sure. And I yeah. would call that like, you know. The what? The, the like, gay factor? The, Great. C- the could Great. you just not. Could you just not. Factor. <laughs> it's called the shit factor, Ellen. Aww. Okay. <laughs> but we learned that in the summer of 2009, Maitrese is splitting her time between having fun, preparing for her future, and understanding the meaning of life. And I was like, oh no. Can everyone settle down? Can we all just like not be so early 20s all the time. My trees, you have everything going for you. Just like, I want you to lighten your own load a little bit here. Yeah, I mean. What? You know, I generally pop an edible every night and try to figure (laughs) out where it all went wrong. (laughs) I was talking to Maggie last night about why I don't like pot. And I'm like, because it makes me not talk very much. And Maggie goes, oh, I can see how that wouldn't work for you. Yeah, I can see how you might find that a problem. In Seattle, you talked a lot. So we go back a few. I know, I know. Let me me intro it and then you can go, okay? okay? So that we go back a few years and Christopher explains that she was, you know, trying to find herself. I'm bored. I want to tell them. Okay, okay, go. No, you keep going. Well, then. No, I want to tell them. Go ahead. A few years earlier, Maitrese had discovered her sexual identity. And over time, she slowly came out to her family as a lesbian. I felt she thought there would be issues. But she had unconditional love from her mother and, and her family. With her family's support, Maitrese embraced her sexual preference. Are you guys, she's a lesbian! <laughs> I was so happy. I made such a big deal about our last episode, us having our first gay. Yeah. And then we get another one right after. And my Teresa's family, I'm going to say here, if you're listening, I'm not making light of the story or anything by my excitement about her being a lesbian. It's just that stories of LGBTQ missing and murder people never get told. Yeah. We've been covering this show for like a year and a half. We just got our first gay episode last week. We're getting our second gay episode this week. I am very sad about the story, yeah. but very, very, very happy for the representation. And especially because my Trice is so fucking awesome. Yeah. She's just like such a good representation of the community. Thank you, my Trice. Okay. <laughs> Do you want some more time? No. <laughs> or like a glass of water? I'll take a sip. You talk for a minute. Yeah, I don't think you breathed okay. that whole time. I was so excited. He's so, you guys, he was like flapping his little <laughs> little chubby wings. <laughs> don't say that. But you know what? You know what the awesome news is? Is that her family accepted and loved her and she felt very supported by her family. I thought that was really awesome. Yeah, her Aunt Lauren tells us that because she thought that she might not. And the Aunt Lawrence, like, she had nothing but unconditional love from yeah. her mother. She goes, from her mother and her family yeah. and her family. Yeah, it was We were very, all right there for her, too. Very sweet. We learned that Lauren earns money as a go-go dancer at a lesbian bar. Hold on. This, I is, have this to episode t- is the gift that just keeps on giving. I know, I know. Wait, <laughs> I have to tell you what I just heard on Tyler Mount's show the other day.
other day. Tell me everything. Leah Delaria said there's only 13 lesbian bars in the country. Yeah, is that Leah, true? Leah, well, if Leah Delaria says so, I am not going to fight yeah, her on yeah, it. You guys. <laughs> Leah Delaria's big boo from Orange is the New, New Black. Black. Do not. Do not fuck do with Leah not Delaria. Cross. No. Don't even look at her sideways. <laughs> don't even look at her. Don't even look but at I her. Will, I got to interview Leah Delaria once too when Daisy was a baby and she picked up Daisy and cooed. And it was like watching a self-described butch lesbian like that who I was raised around because my mom was one. Like, ooh and on, goo and ga over a baby is amazing. I love Leah, Leah Delaria. Delaria. You, you know, are a fucking icon. But Leah, there's a whole um, lesbian bar project if you guys want to like bring back the lesbian bars because like yes. the lesbian community needs them. No, this this was what she was talking about on the Tyler Matt episode. And when she said 13, I swear to you, I thought I misheard her because that's Yeah, there like, weren't that many before the pandemic anyway. That's like as many Thai food restaurants as there are on 9th Avenue. That is literally and true. That is, 13 is not enough bars for my favorite demographic of people. <laughs> Should we open a lesbian bar? Yes. Okay. On Instagram, it's Lesbian Bar Project, and you can donate to them and like fundraise with them and give them money to bring back the lesbian bars. Okay. Well, here we are. Moving we're still, on. We're moving on. My Treese was a go-go dancer. They're very clear. She was not a fucking stripper. Yeah. And like anyone who's ever been to a gay bar, like knows like the fucking hot men and women who are the go-go dancers are not strippers. They're yeah. like go-go and they're dancers. Actual dancers. And they're actual dancers. Yeah. Oh, my Treese was fucking awesome. So we're back. We're back at a, at our night in question. I'm sorry. In- my Treese was awesome. I know. I know. She was awesome. Dusk turns to darkness as she drives along the Pacific Coast Highway. Then, the dazzling lights of a well-known coastal restaurant lure Maitrice in. She pulled up. The valet told her that it was valet parking only. He went off to park someone else's car. He came back, and Maitrice was not in her car. She was in his car. The startled valet finds this strange young woman fumbling through his CDs. He said, hey, what are you doing in my car? So we're back at the night in question when she's driving to Malibu when she Did told- Did you write the date down or- September 16th? What time? 7 p.m. What year? 2009. <laughs> Bitch, sit down. <laughs> Go suck an egg. Yeah? Okay. What? What else do you want to know? What was prom called? The Pearl of Europe. Oh, she listens every once in a while. But this is where things start to get weird because we're back with my trees. She finds herself in Malibu. She pulls into this restaurant called Joffrey's. I know. Do you know this restaurant? Uh, Yes, but Joffrey's with a G. That's the equivalent of Ashley with a G-H. Everyone take a breath and a beta blocker and shut the fuck up. Okay. I hate that name. Have you been? But have you been to that restaurant? No, no. But it is a famous restaurant because I think you like see all of Malibu from there or something Steve and I ate there once randomly and it is very nice. It overlooks the beach. It's very, very beautiful. Okay. But she pulls in with her car, the valet tells her it's valet only. I had to rewind this. I was same, very confused. Same. The valet comes back and my trees is not in her car anymore. She's in the fucking valet's car. Yeah. Like the one he drove to work that yeah. day. That's so the valet makes it clear. Did you write that, down what she said she came there to do? Uh she came to uh avenge Michael Jackson's death. <laughs> yeah. How do I know the date Michael Jackson died? How do you know it? Because Michael Jackson died the night I was in labor. So, you know, typically when you have a baby, the next day you get the, like, headline of the newspaper. And the post had 87 font, the words dead on it. (laughs) I was like, oh, this is a lovely keepsake from my fucking gorgeous newborn goddamn daughter that I birthed on Pride. 
He oh died June 25th, 2009. So, yeah, so she wasn't making sense. She was speaking in half sentences, and then she yeah. said the thing that she was there to avenge Michael Jackson's death. He had just died months ago. And, like, it was all really weird. She's acting very strange. And She's the, not the Matrice, literally, that we've come to know so far in this episode. Yeah. Something is wrong. And so the valet was actually pretty cool. He's like, all right, should we just, like, get you into the restaurant? Yeah, ho- he's probably thinking, like, hopefully you're here to meet your friends, and they're going to take care of you yeah, or whatever. Yeah, But she goes inside and asks the host, just for a table for one. So I actually have a side goog on this. Oh, yeah? That's actually not what happened. In my research, I looked at some of the police reports. Oh, I, you yeah? guys, I took a dive on this episode. Oh, my God. And it actually said she said that she was meeting a friend that she didn't have. Oh. Someone named Veronica. And apparently she knew nobody by that name. But the episode said she asked for a table for one. For one. So, Interesting. I don't know. Well, they sit her at a table where Christopher says she orders a $65 steak and a cocktail. To which I said, yes, my trees. L- listen, expensive meat and a cocktail. <laughs> Leave me alone while I dive head first in this carcass! <laughs> After ordering a $65 steak and a cocktail, Mitrice notices a lively bunch sitting next to her. She invites herself into the group. How's it going? I believe she talked a lot about astrological signs in a way that didn't really compute. <laughs> the strangers are amused by Mitrice's eccentric behavior. So where are you from? I don't know. Mars. She started telling people that her mom was Mother Earth and that the ocean was calling her. She sees this, like, lively group at the next table and invites herself to join. Now, I worked in restaurants a really long time. I think my Therese is fucking awesome. But, like, this was a little cringy to me. Because, like, you've definitely seen that, like, drunk person or that person who's a little off at a restaurant or a bar try to insert themselves into a dynamic. And at least the Disappeared episode makes it seem like they were all really receptive yeah, to yeah. it. I feel like you could do that more like a bar. Like when you're standing yes. and you're just but like at a, looking. But fucking Joffrey's? Right. At jo- at like a sit down. It Say did it, seem Joffrey's? <laughs> and so I think, and this is totally speculation, I think they probably just chalked it up to her like being, you know, maybe had a couple drinks and yeah. they just sort of like, again, she was talking about weird stuff. She was talking about astrology. Yeah. She was, again, speaking in half sentences. They probably were just being nice. I think I would, if I saw a girl on her own and she felt a little drunk, I'd probably ask her to stay. I don't know. Not me. Like, it seemed like, I don't know. It, these reenactment actors were like, it seemed like they were celebrating like somebody's promotion. Yeah, it something. did. It did. You know? And it was just like a little bit like, oh no, now like weird girl is going to say, and I don't mean to call her weird. I don't she think was she was. She was weird in the moment. She said her mom was the mother earth and the because ocean was calling her. Also, it's that thing where like, oh, this like fun drunk girl is fun for two minutes, but now she thinks she's having dinner with us. Totally. You know I mean? That happened to me like 20 years ago and I'm staring right across from him. He just sort of like inserted himself in a conversation and never really yeah, left. Yeah. You're one of those kidnapped victims who can't figure out why when he gave you the freedom to go live in your own house, you didn't just call the yeah, police. Yeah. Yeah. Know? I'm Belle. Yeah. Just- essentially. <laughs> So then, like, that group leaves, and she tries to leave, like, after them. And the manager's like, um, girl, you got to pay for that $65 steak and that probably $25 cocktail. Yeah. And she's like, no, they picked up my check. And he's like, but they didn't. No, they didn't, babe. But they didn't. And she actually was cool. She was like, whoops. Busted. Uh, you busted. You got me. 
so one thing to note is that she was like busted, but I don't have my wallet or any money on right. me. I think I forgot it. And like the poor restaurant manager, unless he's trash, who knows? But like working in restaurants as many years as I did, you're like, oh fuck, I just want to get through my shift. Now I got to explain how we let this girl order a sixty-five dollar yeah. steak and a fifty-dollar cocktail, and like it's probably coming out of his salary. Yeah. Well, this night. gets a little confusing. So follow yeah. me on this one. So the check was eighty-nine dollars, and they were like, okay, what do you want to do? So she calls Gigi Mildred, and Gigi Mildred's like. Hello, like ninety-one she, years old. Yeah, she's the ninety-one phone, like, years old. It's nine thirty p.m. She's been asleep for four goddamn oh my hours God. because she and I've been snuggling. Yeah, exactly, and so she's like, "I don't have enough money to pay." And so Gigi Mildred was like, "Okay, I'll give you my credit card." You know, right. she was like, "Why are you making her sound feeble?" We don't know that she was feeble. I don't know. She was ninety-one. I just think it's funny. <laughs> okay. And, and so what? she was like, "Here's my credit card," and then Joffrey's was like, "Actually, no, we can't accept it over the phone because you don't have a." signature you could fax us a signature and Gigi was like I don't fucking have a fax machine (laughs) it's like Joffrey's don't be fucking difficult Gerard fucking restaurant manager just take the fucking credit card over the phone god damn it so that's a no go and then some of the staff offers to pay the bill that is is such a down bitch move yeah this is where it gets weird so the staff did offer to pay the bill but the owner was like no here's the thing at first, I thought it was kind of a dick move because he was trying to get her in trouble. Yeah. But there is an element of understanding that they had a bit of concern for her erratic behavior. Yes. So they felt kind of responsible for her in that moment. So at first, I was like, asshole. Yeah. And then I was kind of like, well, actually, the way they made it sound, because we hear the 911 call. Hi, we have a guest here who is refusing to pay her bill, and we think she may, I mean, she sounds really crazy. She may be on drugs or something. Um, we are wondering if someone can come by and pick her up. I think the manager from my research, it appeared that they actually were like, I don't think we should let this girl go on her own. Uh-huh. Good, good on you. Yeah, and that's why they called the cops. But then when you hear the 911 call, the lady's like, we have a guest refusing to pay her that, bill. Yeah, exactly. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. And I get that they're just doing their job. They also said, like, she seems crazy and they speculated she's on drugs, which we don't know if that's true. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm sure looking back, that person regrets phrasing it that way. Right. So the cops But again, up. everyone's just trying to get through their shift. I know. Working at restaurants is the fucking worst thing ever. That girl who made the call, though, it was a trash move. Yeah. Probably eight tables to get back to. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she was just like, I don't know. Some My manager said there's a girl we should call the cops yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, You know, it yeah. was weird. So the cops show up and my Trice was like, oh. Suddenly it's real. Yeah. <laughs> the cops are here. She got super yeah. scared. And we're told she's pretty chill. Everyone says she was like really chill. She passes a sobriety yeah. Test in the parking lot. And they were like, can you cover your bill? And she's like, no, I don't have anything. So we hear from Steve Whitmore, who's the spokesperson for the L.A. County Sheriff, and they said, well, maybe her wallet is in the car, and it wasn't. Put a pin in that. Right. Okay. They also find a little Mary Jane in the car. Right. And then they also take a minute to throw some shade and say how messy her car is. I mean, right. <laughs> come on. I live in my car, too, at any moment. Do you have a messy car? Well, at any moment, I have, like, you know, 17 Max a change of clothes, a tampon, a pair of comfy shoes, like yeah, an umbrella, do, a toothbrush. I mean, not to like be that guy, but women have way more stuff. Our car is very clean. <laughs> yeah. No, my car is clean. I just, I, I keep stuff. Like if someone, you know, yeah. an umbrella, I definitely have an umbrella in the trunk. Oh Probably God. three. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some marijuana. Who knows? Ellen yeah. does not have marijuana in right. <laughs> Instead of being issued a ticket for the misdemeanor, Mitrice is put under a citizen's arrest for defrauding an innkeeper and later charged with possession of less than an ounce of marijuana. 
she was taken to the Lost Hills Station, which is about 15 miles from Joffrey's. It is a windy, dark, precarious road that cuts through Malibu Canyon. They put her under a fucking citizen's arrest for, are you ready, defrauding an innkeeper. Yeah. I was like, is that a rule? What kind of fucking 1700s nonsense? I mean, that's one of those old, like, laws that's on the books that they can, like, use to totally. arrest people if they want to. Defrauding an innkeeper, Ellen. Yeah. <laughs> is, there a, is there a cobbler there? Where's the cobbler? What did she do to the candlestick maker? Bring me to the butcher! <laughs> Like, what? Anyway, so they ask her if the marijuana was hers, and she was, like, pretty chill, pretty casual, and they're like, well, we're going to arrest you for that, too. And she got arrested for having less than an ounce of marijuana. In the thing, it literally was scraps. But you know what, though? The laws back in 2009 were so different than they are now. And it honestly, it just seems like they wanted to fucking arrest her. Yeah. It just seems like they wanted to arrest her. So here, hold on to your butts. Yeah. So she's taken to the station. It's 10 p.m., and Mama Latisse finds out about the incident. So down Bitch Mama Latisse calls Joffrey's and was like, what happened to my daughter? And I they're can't like, hear you say that name. It's a little much. Joffrey's? Yeah, I know. Get fucked. <laughs> like, seriously, get bent. Change the name. <laughs> Joffrey's? Yeah. I bet but... the specials were very hard to memorize. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. 60 miles away in eastern Los Angeles. Grandma, what happened? Where is she? Mitrice's mother has just found out about the incident at the restaurant. Confused, Latisse calls Joffrey's directly and finds out from the manager that her daughter Mitrice has just been taken away by the deputies. He was sharing with me how Mitrice was acting in the restaurant. It didn't seem to be in character of Mitrice. So Joffrey's was like, you just missed her. She actually was taken away by the police. and We had her arrested. Yeah. I mean, say what it is, Joffrey's. Yeah, exactly. And Mama Latisse was like, well, she must have been drunk. And they were like, oh, by the way, her car's being towed too. Bye. Bye. And they just like <laughs> hang up. Also, like, we learned that everything is really far away from everything. That, like, the car is being towed to a place that's really far from the police precinct. Yeah. But it's close to the restaurant. But the restaurant is also really far from the police precinct. Yeah. We're setting this up Get it together, California. Honestly. (laughs) So Mama Latisse is 60 miles away. And her youngest 10-year-old daughter is asleep. And she's like, okay, so my daughter's just been taken out by the cops. Her car is being towed. And that just must be so debilitating because she knows she can't really leave. And so she calls to find out what her bail is. She calls the sheriff's office. Right. We fucking hear the phone call. Are you guys going to book her and then release her tonight because she's dark, she doesn't have a car, and I don't want her wandering. I mean, she's not from that area, and I would hate to wake up to a morning report. Lost somewhere with her head chopped off, so I guess I would have to come and get her. Oh, my God. I think she's doing that thing where she's trying to be overly nice. Yes. And trying to not, like, sound that concerned. Yeah. But it, for the purposes of a TV show, it doesn't sound great. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, her concern was she doesn't know where she is. Yeah. This is not typical Mitrice behavior. Yes. And she doesn't have her car. No. So, and she's also a young black woman in the custody of the police in fucking Malibu. Y- Anything can happen. Exactly. But she literally is like, I just don't want to hear a news report about my daughter's head being chopped off. Yeah. And she says it with a laugh, and I know she doesn't mean it with a laugh. She's probably completely fucking panicking on the inside. Of course. Yeah. But they assured Mama Latisse she would be fine. They said, we'll call you when she gets here. She wasn't even there yet. Yes, which they did not. 
Mama Latisse's main concern was, can you hold her till I can come and get her? Yes. You got to lock her up. We'll deal with the bail. We'll deal with yes. lawyers. We'll deal yes. with all that. I just want to make sure she's safe. Yeah. Because my daughter's sleeping right now. I'm 60 miles away. It's 10 o'clock at night. What can I do? So it's the next day. It's the next morning, Thursday, September 17th, 2009. It's 520 a.m. We learned that this is when Latisse wakes up. And I said, God love her. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's your kind of people. So she calls the sheriff's department straight out the gate. And they were like, oh, more. Morning. Hey, um, yeah. funny story. She was actually released at 1230 in the morning last night. So, so remember when they said they were going to call Latisse as soon as Maitreese got there? Not only did they not do that, they did not hold her. The L.A. County Sheriff's Department says that they let Maitreese leave the station because she had a clean record and because she showed no signs of mental incapacitation. The jailer tells yes. Maitreese's mother that she encouraged Maitreese to remain at the substation until someone could come to pick her up. At the time, we said, you can stay here if you wish. You have to stay in a cell, but you can stay here. And she declined that offer. They let her go like two hours later, which in this timeline when Latisse and I both just woke up at five in the morning was like six hours ago. Yeah, exactly. And Mama Latisse is still not losing her shit. She's yeah. like, you know, I can just imagine her sort of, <laughs> you let her go, you know? I, like, Listen. What do you do? You, I know. What, do you, what do, do you do? So they were like, yeah, we let her go. She had no record. She seemed mentally fine. This story is fishy to me because we are told that the cop says, look, we told my tree she could stay. She'd have to stay in a cell. She didn't want to do that. So then we told her she could stay in the lobby and I was like something about that story doesn't add up to me. Okay, I didn't think so either. Yeah. So... Go ahead, defend the police. I made a call. Okay. <laughs> what well, you did? <laughs> oh, yes, I did. I called the Malibu Sheriff's Department. Oh, my God. I actually talked to a very nice Lieutenant Miller. Okay. He was very nice. Did he remember he, the case? Okay, so I didn't specify... <laughs> let me tell you why I didn't specify yeah, yeah, yeah. this case. This case is dirty. Oh, this is oh, a dirty really? case. We'll get to it as in the end. As dirty as your summer was? <laughs> that was definitely dirty. Okay. That was the good kind of dirty. No, and listen, when I call, I'm just asking protocol. Yeah. Because I wanted to line up. You know, every city is different. We know that every police department is different. So I asked these questions. I said, so if I were to come in, let's say it was two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. How would that work? And I said, take away Uber. Because remember, yeah. there was not Uber until 2011. You said this to Miller and he was fine with playing this game with you? He absolutely did. Okay, great. I'm a little flirty when I talk. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're even a little flirty with me when you talk sometimes. I know. No, but because, you know, the way I pitch it, I'm just researching. And, and I always say I want to get it right. And, yeah. and people like that. I, like, well, I wanna, he's I'm, not going to be like, oh, yeah, we would have thrown your ass out on the street at 2 in the morning. Well, no. They were like, the first thing he said was, well, we would offer you to stay in the lobby. Or we would offer you to lay in a cell. Like, he kind of said it word for word. And I said, yeah, now. Yeah, you're like the 800th call about this case in Right? The last I know. Years. Exactly. <laughs> and then I said, well, what about giving me a ride? Because in my head, yeah. like, I would, like, ask for a ride. Sure. And he was like, that's a liability. Hold on to your but hold uh -huh. on one second because I was like what if I just was like I'm really scared can you drive me to the train station he's like it's kind of a case by case basis but at the end of the day that really is a liability to us through insurance and I was like huh. he's like the reason we wouldn't do that for you is because no, exactly but here's the thing I didn't mention to the officer that is the same facility that in 2006 Mel Gibson was taken after his drunk driving arrest and later given a ride <gasps> in their car by the deputy to where? To like 
like wherever he was going, but that's very public knowledge. Oh. That when he was arrested at that same facility, the <gasps> Malibu Sheriff's Department, he did say- You just got marshed, yeah. Malibu. Yeah. This you? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, all right. I mean, the story you that he- You marshed Miller. I fucking marshed and him. And not in the way you were marshing those in the backseat of- all summer. No, totally different. Totally different. You guys, I really <laughs> dove in on this case. I have so much more to share. I'm like nerding out right now. But this is what happened. Like they let her go. They didn't offer her a ride. And like Mama Latisse. She did say, I'm meeting up with friends. Okay. And they were like, okay. Yeah, keep defending the police. No, um, I'm just trying to be fair know, because I'm going to unpack a lot later. Okay. <laughs> but please spin that narrative. Okay, <laughs> Why don't you also say yeah. that like I side with abusers? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, well, yeah. what was she wearing? Uh, That's so me. Keep going. I just got marred. <laughs> and so she leaves the station at midnight. Yep. Alone. No money. No ID. And now, like, Mama Latisse is like, it's 5.30 in the morning. I've been up for two hours. Yeah. And no one's heard from her. So she gets this information that she's left. And 15 minutes go by and Mama Latisse is me in a nutshell. She's yeah. like, yeah, something isn't sitting right with me. And we hear the audio of her calling back. How long before a missing persons report can be filed? When the dispatch deputy hears Maitrice was released only six hours earlier, he suggests waiting 24 hours before filing a report. Latisse pleads for assistance. I believe that she is highly depressed. Yeah, does no. she take medication at all? No, I believe it's a state that she's in right now because of the weird activities that's been going on. What's her name? Her name is Maitrice. So Mama Latisse is like, now she's starting to talk a little bit, you know, less giggly. And she's like, I think she's in a state. I think she's depressed. Yeah. She starts to, oh, Mama Latisse starts to cry and get yeah. emotional. All of the possibilities are now very real to right. her. So it's same day, Thursday, September 17th. It's 6.30 a.m. I've done half a day's work. Mm. I'm probably on a lunch break at this point. Sure. But the cops, those Malibu cops, get a call from a, a little town called Montanito, which is like eight miles away. A rancher. I guess that's a thing that but, we have in this country. There's also cowboys. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the, a rancher woke up at like six in the morning and looked in his backyard and saw this like young girl, spoiler, it's Matrice, like sitting on a fence in his backyard. Rather than pulling out a shotgun or like losing his mind, he like hollers yeah. out the window to say she's okay. She's like, yes, I'm just resting. Yeah. He goes to another window to get a better look at her. She's gone. Yeah. And the police come and they couldn't find anything or anyone. And they're like, okay. So we're at 6 p.m. that same day. 12 hours later. Nobody... Oh, good math, babe. Thank you so you much. You are so smart. I'm at this point in my PJs, brushing my teeth, yeah. getting ready to retire for the evening. <laughs> Such a dork. <laughs> uh Latisse and her friend head out to the Lost Hills station to file a missing persons report. As she's about to leave the station, Latisse says a deputy on duty informed her about the possible sighting in Montanito. And he just rambled off to me. Well, you know, we got a call, came from this area, just take this road until it runs out. Immediately, Latisse heads toward Montanito. She is stunned to see the rugged landscape where Maitrice could be wandering. So the family goes, and they're just kind of like driving around this remote area. Because the cops told them about the setting in Montanito. About Montanito, and it's super rugged. Like, it's mountains and yeah. trees and coyotes. Like, there are certain areas in Southern California that you are not to mess with. Yeah, I'm not going there. Yeah. And I'm it's about the, the Beverly Center's about all you get out of me, Southern California. <laughs> That's about it. A shock to that, no one. That, that, like that strip on West Hollywood with all those bars. Yeah. Those are the, the two spots I go to. The gay bars you were FaceTiming me from at yeah. 4 o'clock in the morning. Yes. 
So it's getting scarier by the minute. And Mama Latisse is like, she didn't walk here. You guys, it's eight miles from the police station. There's no way she fucking walked there because we know she was there. And you don't walk. You crawl, you climb. Yeah. Like it's really mountainous and it's really, really rugged. But this is where Mama Latisse is like, someone drove her here, but yeah. like fucking who drove her exactly. here? You know? So now it's the next day. It's Friday, September 18th, 2009. And the family is comparing notes on my Teresa's behavior leading up to the day that she disappeared and she's sending these like kind of bizarre text messages yeah. but then she goes to Aunt Lauren's house and leaves like the day before she goes missing leaves all of these business cards for her go-go dancing yeah she's like hey come <laughs> see me but she like papers yeah. her like front lawn and then she leaves a weird note on her aunt's husband's car that said that's also like called her uncle it might not be her uncle if it's through marriage I have one of my aunts that's remarried and I don't call her husband oh uncle. remarried Got yeah it. Okay. did you feel good about that Okay. <laughs> he gets one little fact right, and then he's all of a sudden he's fucking Ken Jennings over here. So <laughs> she leaves this weird note and in lipstick, and it says "Black Woman Scorn." And there's like a big smiley face on it, signed with a kiss. Like yeah. she's acting very strange. Yeah. But it's all of these things are happening to different people, and no one's connecting the dots until after the fact. Totally. My Teresa's case has been passed to the Los Angeles Police Department since her residence is in their jurisdiction. They begin their official search at the house where she was allegedly last seen 48 hours earlier. They had taken a doll to the location where the phone call had come from, and they picked up Mitrice's scent. The search dog follows Mitrice's scent to an adjacent home, and then it fades away. So now it's Saturday, and the case has finally been passed off to the LAPD because that's, like, the jurisdiction where she actually lives. And they bring a dog, and the dog picks up her scent yeah. very strongly mm -hmm. and tracks it to, like, a house next door where the scent vanishes. Yeah. To which I said, why is the next fucking sentence? And then we kick the door open to go in and find her because that's not the next sentence. <laughs> that's not the it's next not sentence. not the next sentence. They follow footprints. I wonder where she could have gone. Her scent disappeared at the door to this house. I don't know. No. It's very... Lunch? <laughs> Does anyone have any ideas where she could have? Uh-uh. Mm -mm. No. No. Ugh, God, policing is hard. It's hard. It's hard. So they also see footprints, and the footprints also disappear because they appear as footprints, and then it appears that she's running. Yeah, and Mama Latisse is like, it seems like maybe she got into another car. Yeah. Because, like, her footprints just stop and, like, just vanish in, like, a very random spot. So we're four days later, Wednesday, September 23rd. We're back in Malibu. And we have homicide detectives on the case now. Yeah. And they go to the impound where her car was sent to. And the LAPD finds some of her journals in the car. This is crazy. This is so crazy. And I don't mean crazy. Like, this is just very shocking. Yeah. So they look at her journals. And then they, like, find a way to find her MySpace and Facebook. Yeah. And the thing was. She's been, like, time stamping her journal entries. That's what I was going to say before you interrupted me. Mm. You, um, you like to say things backwards. Do I? I think a lot of times you like to say you were going to say a thing, but then call me a misogynist for just, like, peppering little bits of detail throughout the storytelling. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Okay, babe. You have the day you deserve. <laughs> All right. Go, go sit. Go, go sit in your bed at 6 p.m. <laughs> Make something of your life. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's sitting in his gorgeous, like, New York apartment, and I live in New Jersey. Okay. So, no. Going to bed early works. And they tracked... Her writing pattern with her postings on MySpace and Facebook. And they were all just ongoing. And they said that they couldn't see 
when she had any time to sleep. A psychologist working with the LAPD believes Mitrice Richardson appeared to be experiencing a mental health condition, possibly bipolar disorder. This is the thing about her MySpace and Facebook posts. They don't stop. Yeah. She is constantly posting for what appears to be like 24 hours. They're rambling. They're incessant. Yeah. And like they look manic. And like you said, Ellen said before I did. Yeah. Ellen was the first one in this episode to say this. Thank you so much. They are one right after the other. Like she just hasn't slept. Yeah. It does sound better coming from you though. It was now more, that, like now more that, authoritative. Yeah. Like now that you've said it yeah, and I'm, I said it, yeah. I would vote for you. Okay. Yeah. That's... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 10 out of 10. So here's the thing that oh, really... A lot of the writing was also gibberish. So you didn't take, like, great notes. You know what I mean? You know, when yeah. I go back in life, I think about the things that I didn't do yeah. well. It's <laughs> yeah. my notes. That's it. My notes. I've made no other mistakes. <laughs> just my notes. So this is crazy. No, I'm going to say that 100 times. This whole episode is crazy. Yeah. So they go to check her car in the impound. And her cell phone and wallet were in the car. And her mom says she had $2,000 in her checking she, account. Like, she easily could have paid for that like, dinner. what? And, like, they're saying two things here. That, like, either she, like, had some sort of psychotic break and didn't know she had the money to pay for the dinner. And or the cops also, like, if they had done a more thorough search, they would have seen her phone and her wallet. And, yeah. like, what a difference this all might have made if she had left the police station with her cell phone. Right? You know? <sighs> so days pass. And my Teresa's family go to the sheriff's department and ask to see the video of her in the station. They just, yeah. I would want to do the same thing. They would want to read her body language. They would want to see if she was in distress. Like, absolutely. fucking And they want the incident report, and the, it's all denied, and I scream, get a lawyer! Yeah. I'll be a lawyer! Yeah. The next thing that happens, they get a lawyer. And, <laughs> well, the sheriff's department was like, yeah, we would love to help you out. You know what? We monitor that camera. Yeah. We don't record it. Yes. I know. Put a pen in there! Put it in. And I'm like, get a fucking lawyer. I will be your lawyer. And then they get, they're like, thank you so much for that generous offer. We're going to get a civil rights attorney, though. Yeah. We're not going to get a screechy, gay, chubby podcast who doesn't even wear shoes in the office. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mitrice's family hires a civil rights lawyer who stages a press conference in front of the Lost Hills station. And let me say this as clear as I can. If Mitrice Richardson's name was Spears or Lohan, they would never let her walk out by, her, by herself. They would have escorted her home. On their vehicles, it says to serve and to protect. There was nothing protecting her when they allowed her to walk out that door. Look, I understand the low hand of it all, yeah. but like Britney Spears has been through enough. Yeah. Please, let's not drag her into this. She's <gasps> been through enough, Britney you guys. Britney Spears is like, I mean, you're right, but... <laughs> it's been a really hard couple of years, you guys. Yeah. And now, the LAPD is attesting they did everything procedurally correct. Put a pen! This guy, Steve Whittemore, who's the spokesperson, you mentioned him earlier, he literally says the L.A. County Sheriff's Department did not only everything procedurally correct, it was also morally right. And I was like, it's not going to age well, sis. Yeah. Whew, so we're January 2010. We're in L.A. And the sheriff and the captain of these two jurisdictions have a little meeting. Yeah. And because Mama Latisse and Aunt Lauren are still not giving up about this surveillance, they need to understand and finally, yeah. they fucking come clean and they're like, fine, we have the video. Right. So, like, <gasps> Lauren. The tea is lava. 
hot. They come to the police station to watch the video that they said did not exist. Yeah. And now they have it. Oh, wait. But first, yeah. first they don't stop until they fucking gaslight her. Yeah. And they were like, oh, we thought you meant the outside surveillance. Right. We didn't know you meant the inside right. surveillance. Yeah. Mama How could we possibly have known that? Yeah. And they're yeah. like, bitch, go scratch. Yeah. You knew exactly <laughs> what we were looking for. But then we see it, too. And they're saying that, like, my trees looks, she can't sit still. She's walking around. She's very agitated. Yeah, she's not being aggressive. She's grabbing the bars and yeah. kind of moving back and forth. No, it's very, First very. First of all, that family had to fucking beg, borrow, and steal to get that footage. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you know what else I found? What? It was proven to be edited. Oh, was they it? They don't talk about it in the episode, but beyond a shadow of a doubt, proved to be edited footage. Oh, my God. Yeah. And she had just passed the sobriety test. And so her walking around like that, acting erratic, she's not on she's drugs not, as far know. as we know, or drunk. And then Mama Latisse tells us this very weird thing happens where after they release Maitreese and before she even walks out into the parking lot, another door opens and another deputy runs out like a separate door but into the same parking lot. Yeah. And Mama Latisse is like, uh, did that guy talk to her? Yeah. Did he offer her a ride? Did she ask him for a ride? He definitely would have seen her. And remember, we know that she had to have been driven where she ended up. Like, is this the fucking guy that did it? Yeah. And they're basically like, oh, no, no, no. He was dropping someone off. We don't even know that guy. Like, I don't know. Who's that guy? I don't know. Never. I don't know. I think he was from another. I think he's from Colorado. Yeah. Don't yeah. know him. And like nothing comes of that at this point. And then all of a sudden we're in January. It's January 9th, 2010. And finally the cops are doing something. They yeah. organized the largest search in L.A. County in 20 years. And it comes to nothing. Yeah. But then we cut to February 2010. We're in Vegas. We learn Matrice has a dad in the picture. Three weeks after an historic search for his daughter's body in Malibu Canyon, Michael Richardson, Matrice's father, alerts the authorities to a startling discovery almost 300 miles away. Michael Richardson believed that he saw his daughter prostituting herself in Las Vegas. According to Michael, he was sitting in a truck in downtown Las Vegas when he caught a glimpse of a woman that he's convinced was his daughter. He called to the woman, but she got lost in the crowd. So this is not the dad that she grew up with. Yeah. Mama Latisse had remarried because her name is Latisse Sutton. And Michael Richardson was her biological dad, but she was really much closer to her stepdad. They give us none of this information. You really did a deep dive. Oh, <laughs> you don't even know. My I, God. I'm starting a whole podcast just on this. Well, just I, on bet, this. I mean, my God, there should be one. Yeah. But her dad, Mr. Richardson, is in Vegas. I think there are some details left out of this story, but we're told that he's in a truck parked on the strip. Yeah. In downtown Vegas, and he sees a sex worker who he is convinced is my trees. Yeah. And like chases her into a crowd calling her name and she like vanishes. That's a weird story, and I have about 800 questions. Yeah, I'm only doing my follow-up podcast on my trees. Yeah. I'm not covering Michael Richardson, so you can do that one. Totally. Yeah. So. Just like sitting in a like just sitting in a truck, innocently minding my own business on the strip where I see a sex worker who looks just like my kid. Yeah. Sir, yeah. I'm gonna have to ask you to come downtown. Got some follow-up questions. <laughs> I'd like you to meet my partner, Sharon Bagabone. She's the bad cop to my good cop. Yeah, I got a couple follow-up questions. <laughs> Number one, what's your favorite bar on the strip? Because I fucking love it there. Uh, they, I got those uh, those big tumblers mm -hmm. of Coors Light. I thought we were going to talk about my daughter. Uh, yeah, or right, that too. All right, listen. <laughs> What's your favorite number in roulette? Black 21 every time. Uh, all right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got one more question yeah. for you. Does your truck have Einstein? 
She is a horrible investigative journalist. Yeah, so Honestly, she, it she goes has, like Maggie yeah, Freeling. Yeah, so, <laughs> Amber Hunt. Yeah. On the same level. Yeah. On the same fucking level. And then Sarah Koenig. Yeah. Sharon Bagabones. Sharon Bagabones. <laughs> With little movement on her daughter's case, Latisse Sutton and her attorney announce a bold move. They file six claims against the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, including negligence and wrongful death. I raised my child. I poured everything into her so that she can be anything that she wanted to be. And because of bad judgment, she's, she's not here. She's gone. So... Mama Latisse was like, boom, here's six claims against the L.A. Sheriff's Department. Yeah, they uh, sue. Yeah, they sue. Negligence, <laughs> wrongful death. That's de- what I mean, right? Just like, you say the, the stuff, and then I fill in what's happening. I'm just pointing out, I'm not misogynistically trying to steal your thunder. I'm yes-anding you. Mm. I'm just saying, you say that the, here are the charges, and I'm like, well, let's let them know that they sued. Mm. You know what I mean? No, but put it higher in your lady voice okay. and see if I can understand it better. <laughs> so one more clue pops up in Vegas. An old high school friend of Maitrice swears he sees her and he says he called out to her and she got super nervous and ran away. I want to say that this happened in a casino at 3 a.m. Sure. And in the reenactment, they always make the people dead sober. Yeah. The guy's dead sober at a casino at 3 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Maitrice, my, my old high school friend. It's been a moment. How are, how are, why are you running? My darling. But it's also like too many people go to Vegas. There's nothing good in Vegas, you guys. One month later, lead investigators from the LAPD and the LA County Sheriff's Department descend on Las Vegas. We have talked to more than 70 individuals who believe they have seen her. That volume causes us to believe we're on the right track. Still, Mitrice's mother refuses to believe her daughter has been prostituting herself in Las Vegas for the last nine months. I had to stand by what I believed in my spirit and in my heart. My daughter was still in that canyon. They say that there's over 70 people in Vegas that have seen her. Yeah. So that means we're on the right track. I'm like, this seems like a waste of resources. Yeah. And the mom, by the way, Mama Latisse keeps saying, I don't think she ever left the canyon. That really hit me because she was like, I know exactly where she is. Yeah. She was in the last spot she was seen. Yes. And she just has that gut feeling and that tickle in her tummy. Yeah. So we're at Sunday, August 9th, 2010. We're in Dark Canyon. I don't like either of those words. I know. It's less than two weeks after that press conference in Vegas. And there's these two Malibu State Park rangers that are hiking through this canyon that's, like, incredibly fucking hard to hike through. And the only reason they're doing it is because they found a pot-growing operation there a couple months ago. And they're going to make sure that that operation is gone. And I'm like, can we just let the weirdo tree elf potheads have their lives? Leave the stoners! alone. <laughs> why? I'm not a pot person, but why we got to do this to them? Yeah, just My leave God, the stuff You're going to hike alone. through the fucking canyon yeah, yeah. full of rattlesnakes and alligators just to make sure, like, Jimmy and Lance aren't growing their pot anymore? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. He fell in his fucking chair again. <laughs> you guys, I just fell out of my chair again. This chair has a lever that when I hit it, I fall out of it, and I just, it just happened. I can't physically do this today. <laughs> they took a slight detour to get around big impassable boulder at that point somebody spotted what appeared to be the skull within the hour sheriff's deputies arrive and take over the scene six hours later just before sunset the partially mummified remains of a naked woman with black curly hair along with some articles of clothing are airlifted out of dark canyon in a body bag 
So they airlift the mummified skeleton out of the canyon. Mummified. I know. Think about what you're saying. I know. Oh, my God. So it's August 12, 2010. We're in Los Angeles, and we get word that the body that was found was the body of Mitrice Richardson. You guys, she's got her real serious voice on. So get your coffee. Get your yeah. cocktail. I sense a monologue coming on. Woo! And they keep saying everything they did during their arrest was legal. Like, so, the, the I mean, report- she's dead. And obviously, like, it was as a result of, like, whatever happened that night. Right. And now they are saying it was not a homicide. They are labeling her death undetermined. Yeah. As though, like, as though she wandered into the woods and fucking died. Like succumbed to the elements in Southern California. Yeah, yeah. Mama Latisse is calling hogwash <laughs> on everything. She's like, I just don't think my daughter hiked up to the top of that mountain and laid down and died. Yeah. You know? And she thinks she was murdered. So, Okay, there's so much more on this, but they just skip over it in the show because we're here to cover Disappeared, and sometimes that's really hard because we do know so many other things about a case, but we're here to recap the show. The sheriffs move the body, not the coroner. More on that later. Yeah. So Mama Latisse hires, oh, this down bitch, (laughs) Clea Koff. Yeah. She is a renowned forensic ant anthropologist. I knew you could get through that multisyllabic word. I love you to have your moment. Yeah, yeah. Oh, because it's so you. few oh. and far between mm. and you have to work so hard for mm-hmm. it, you know? Yeah. Try anthropologist again, though. <laughs> well, because I wrote anthologist. <laughs> With Latisse's trust waning in law enforcement, she enlists a world-renowned independent forensic anthropologist, Clea Koff, to look at Mitrice's remains. After Kliakoff and Mitrice's family are led by the sheriff's search and rescue team on a journey to Dark Canyon, the forensic anthropologist is further convinced things were mishandled by authorities. A 24-year-old woman who has been missing for 10 months and three weeks is found naked. Her clothes are found. They were never sent or requested to be sent to the crime lab. Tell them about Kliakoff, because Mama Latisse, she's got more questions. Kliakoff not here for your shit. And she's just like, the whole thing was mishandled. Her clothes were found near her body. The clothes were never sent to or requested to be sent to the crime lab. Neither was her hair. Yeah. Neither was the jewelry she was wearing. So the point is, like, if there's other fucking DNA on that, that would be maybe an indicator of a person who did something to her. But now the coroner is also saying that, like, we're calling it undetermined because there is no, like, obvious blunt force trauma. So, like, you know, they're going back and forth. Mama Latisse is like, her clothes were off of her body. She was obviously assaulted. Yeah. You know? And they, not not in the episode, they were like, oh, an animal probably did it. And they're like, her clothes were untouched. Yeah. There were no bite marks or anything. Oh, my God. All right, how does this end, girl? Give us the update. So they exhume her body in July of 2011, and they re-examine her remains. And even Clea Koff said that the cause of death was still undetermined. So Clea Koff agrees. Yes. Now, the big end of this story is the family ended up with a $900,000 settlement from L.A. County. But L.A. County says they still didn't do anything wrong. Exactly. And, you know, the investigation is still technically open. And I hate it when they say that about the money, because we know it's not about the fucking money. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, you know, you'd give it all back to have your kid back, of right? Course. All right, so here we go. Okay, hold on to your butts. So here are some of the other things that the sheriff's office failed to do. They didn't even take crime scene photos. There of is, where? Of her body? Yes. Uh-huh. They failed to collect soil samples. They did not document or process the recovering of her body at all. And when asked, the sheriff stated that they pulled the skull and the entire skeleton appeared. And that is completely untrue because sadly her skeleton was detached from her body. Oh. It is lie after lie after 
Mr. Lyon. Let me tell you this last bit of thing. The first deputy who arrived on the scene spent 90 minutes with the remains before he notified the coroner, even though the penal code does dictate that an officer has to notify the coroner the minute that they're made of, aware of human remains. Uh-huh. The fuck were you doing for, for 90, 90 minutes, minutes brah? Um... <laughs> I could talk about this forever. Also, okay, just remember, she was found partially mummified, which is a state of decomposition, which can only occur if the body is exposed to sub-freezing temperatures or extremely dry environment, like an attic or a closet, for an extended period of time. Now, she went missing in September. The average temperature in Dark Canyon, California, I looked it up, the average is a low of 59 and a high of 77. Wow. That's not mummifying temperatures. Right. Oh I'm my god! I'm just telling you, there is so much I could go on and on. There's you did. Actually, you th- did. I did. If you want to do a little bit of research, there's a great LA Magazine article on this. It's really thorough. All I know is, yeah. some shit went down, yeah. and this shit is not on the up and up. Say something funny. I got marshed. <laughs> bow, 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 bow. bow. You guys, we love you so much. We're going on tour. We added shows in Atlanta, Boston, and Chicago. If you didn't get your tickets on the first round, come and see us. It's going to be crazy. Say more words. I, I can talk for an hour and a half That's at the true. end so you can do the rest of the yeah, talking. Come see us on tour. Get the tickets at disappearedpod.com. Click on the CS Live link. Join us on the Patreon if you want more of the shenanigans. If you want to hear us really let our hair down. We're finishing up our coverage of Who the Bleep Did I Marry? These shows are bananas. Bananas. But great and hilarious and short. And short. <laughs> <laughs> our episodes are usually longer than the episodes we cover. Truly. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us on the Instagram, The Disappeared Pod. Good job. What else? Join our Facebook group? Sure. Yeah, join our Facebook. Follow us on Twitter? Yeah. I'm on TikTok. Okay, great. <laughs> I know. I know you hate that. Anyway, we love you. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. Whenever somebody's like calls me out over like a, something we've missaid or yeah, something, yeah. I'm like, do you know how fast we read and talk? I and know. also, <laughs> I don't listen. <laughs> You guys, Ellen had to take her fucking dirtbag ex-husband to the hospital this week, and she sent me a picture of him on a fucking stretcher looking miserable. My only response was, I'd sponge bathe that. Yes, I took him to the hospital, and I got him medicine, and he didn't know his social security number, and I got him a sandwich. (laughs) So when you're looking for ex-wife of the goddamn year, look to me. Did she wait 24 hours, bitch? Yeah. What? And I just woke up a lot of people's husbands, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people's husbands are like, oh, hey, God. Guys, uh, yeah. <laughs> 